and welcome to Women in Retail Talks, the podcast where C-suite executive women in the retail space share their stories of professional growth, leadership development, personal journeys, and more. I'm Marie Albajez at Women in Retail Leadership Circle, a membership-based community of executive women at leading retailers and brands. Today, I'm joined by Jill Spiegel, Chief Merchandising Officer of the PGA Tour Superstore. In this episode, we're discussing what it's been like for Jill to be an executive female leader in a male-dominated industry, what drew her to retail, and how female golfers are really fueling the sport's growth. So Jill, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Marie. Ah, so I'm excited to jump in. Um, I was wondering if you could just first tell us, you know, as Chief Merchandising Officer, tell us a little bit about your responsibilities at the PGA Tour Superstore. Okay, so as a chief merchandising officer, I have a team of just shy of 40 people. So my team is responsible for all merchandising, department location planning, and I also have visual merchandising that reports into me. So I have a team of merchants and their responsibility is to work very, very closely with our vendor partners, to strategize, plan and purchase products at a top side and category level. Um, I also oversee financial plans at the department and store level. Um, and with that, as is a planning team, and they work in partnership with the merchants and they build plans at the location level. Um, and then visual merchandising, as I mentioned, reports into me and they, that team lays out new stores, they determine the visual presentation and develop new concepts because we're always trying to evolve and, and you know, stay ahead of the current trends. Um, and then I also, I have a team of um, divisional merchandise managers and their job is they're, they're in the field um, because we have stores all over the country and they're really the liaison between my team here in the store support center and the stores. So really our eyes and ears, making sure that the stores are executing um, and that we're communicating clearly from our end. So they, they're really the liaison back and forth. Can you elaborate a little bit on the planning process that you have as CMO? Yes. So it's very different now that we have as many stores as we do. Um, and different from my past, our stores are all over the country. So it's really important that the merchants and the planners understand the differences and the nuances by market. So for example, in our, our resort stores, we sell a lot more women's apparel. Um, so we have to make sure that we understand those differences and we buy accordingly. And there are some brands that might sell better on the West Coast and there's brands that sell better on the East Coast. So if you go into one of our stores, maybe in the Northeast, and then you go into one of our stores in Palm Desert, California, the mix of business can be, can be very different. Um, you know, there's a lot of commonality, but you're going to walk into that Palm Desert store and look at our women's apparel assortment and say, wow, um, you know, that's tremendous. So it's, it's really different um, based on where stores are. And I think when you work for a big department store, um, you know, I, I can say that firsthand, some of that gets lost in translation and the assortments get very generic and dumbed down. And I think that's why our businesses continue to grow and be profitable because we spend a lot of time making sure we have it right by store, by department, by location. So. Sounds like a super important job. And I'm excited to get into um, how you manage all of these people, what your leadership style is like. Um, but first, I would love to hear a little bit about how you got started in retail. What really drew you to it? 
Well, it was, it's funny because I, I went to Michigan State um, years ago and I was an advertising major. So my goal was not really to get into retail at the time. And I was visiting her on spring break and she worked for a department store called Riches, which was a division of federated department stores. And she convinced me to interview for the training class. So I did, and I was offered a job as an executive trainee um, with no plans to stay there long-term, but I really took to retail. I loved it. And here I am 37 years later. Um, you know, retail really gets into your blood. You either love it or you find it a grind. And I loved it for many reasons. Um, I started off, I spent a lot of years in the stores, um, but most of my time over that 37 year period has really been in buying and planning. And I crossed back and forth quite a bit. You know, I started in buying. We didn't have a planning division back then. Went into planning, back into buying. And I think cross, you know, having cross-functional experience really made me stronger in the long run. Because I think anytime you have exposure to different positions, it makes you better at the other because you understand where that, that team is coming from. And, you know, merchandising has a lot of aspects to it. Um, building relationships product, obviously, um, creativity and analy analytics. And that's why I like it. You really get to do a lot of different things. And, and I think when people think about buying, they think it's just about picking product. But there's so much more to it than that. You know, understanding analytics and metrics and what to do with that information is really important. And my favorite class in, at school was statistics. So for me, the analytic piece has been, it's been really fun and blending that with creative. It's, um, you know, it's just, it's fun. And so I really, I know that I ended up in the, in the right field. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be so interesting. You have to have all of those components, like you said, in order to, to get to something like the chief merchandising officer, I'm wondering, is there, is there any one role or job that you had, or maybe multiple that really led to you getting into this CMO role? Yeah, probably, you know, back when I was in, in department stores, um, really being a merchant, I loved the planning piece of it. I'd been a merchant and then I went into planning and I came back into in merchandising and it was really fun and rewarding to be, to really figure out how to take metrics and drive the business. So take those weekly reports that you get and what do you do with it? You know, what's working, what's not working and, and what should we go after and what trends are out there? So um, that piece for me was, you know, was probably earlier on in my career, um, the piece that I gravitated to the most. Um, and, you know, when I started here, I was, I started as, um, you know, a, a vice president of merchandising and my job has expanded, which, which I know we're going to go into. Um, but that background was really, really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go into that. I mean, you, you started, uh, when you started, you had 11 people reporting to you, right? And I read that you now oversee, you said 40 plus um, in your merchandising staff. So tell me, you know, how you built that team up. What do you, what do you look for when you're building that team? Yeah, so it's a really good question. Um, and I look, I look for a lot of different things when I'm building my team and when I'm interviewing prospective employees. And, you know, for any job for me, um, you know, Skill set is very important, but it really comes down to work ethic, passion, and enthusiasm for the job. I want a team who can collaborate with others, both internally and externally. We work with you know, a lot of external partners, and you can't, ex you can't achieve success by sitting in an office trying to do it by yourself. You have to work with others. Um, I look for strategic thinkers, leaders who can think big, but who can also get into the details. And I'm sure you've heard the expression, retail is detail. 
and it really is, but you have to have a vision of where you're going first and then figure out how to get there. And when I interview people, you know, internally and externally, I really, I want to get to know the individual. I want to know, are they a good cultural fit for the team? We have a very unique culture here that we're very proud of. And, and I want to make sure that person is going to fit in. You know, do they have the right skill set and experience level? Um, are they open to new ideas? Are they a team player? Can they manage the workload? And are they committed to what the job requires? Because we run at a really fast pace. And, and, and like I said earlier, it's not for everyone. And and I want to look at, does this individual have long-term potential to move up in the organization? I want the job to be rewarding for them. And can they cross over to other, you know, other areas within the company too? It's great to have specialists, but it's also good to have people that have, you know, come from other areas. You just have a broader, broader understanding. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I wonder if we could talk a little bit more about the culture at the PGA Tour Superstore. Um, I feel like nowadays uh, interviewees and, and job seekers culture is kind of number one in their eyes, or, or at least in the top five in terms of what they want out of a job. So tell me more about what is unique about the culture there. Well, you know, it really starts with our owner. Our company, um, was our, the owner of our company is Arthur Blank, who was one of the founders of Home Depot. And he's very involved in our business. You know, he's, he's the owner of the Atlanta Falcons, among other things. And at Home Depot, they started their company on a core set of six, six core values. And those core values are the core values that we, we live and breathe by. And I've worked at places where you have core values, but you know, they're a poster on the wall. And you walk by that poster here. We really are, his belief and our belief is if you are living by the core values, the business will follow. So it's, it's, it's integral in everything that he does. And, um, and it just really makes it unique. And I've brought on a lot of people, I've been here 11 years and I've brought on a lot of people from my past, you know, the past companies that I've worked for. And I'm always talking about it in the interview process. And I don't think people really believe it until they get here and they, and they feel it. Um, and it's what makes us unique. And, you know, when I started, we had 11 stores or we have 54 as of this past weekend and, and we're growing like crazy. And one of the things that, you know, we're not fearful of, but that we just want to protect more than anything as we grow is, is keeping that intact. It's, it's our number one priority. Yeah, that's great. And congratulations on, on that growth and of the new stores, by the way, that's, it's really impressive. Thank you. Yeah, it's been, it's been fun. Yeah. I want to go back to what you said about, you said you look for um, a candidate who has that long-term potential to move up within the company. Can you talk a little bit about what kind of uh, leadership, professional development opportunities there are to move up? I think we talk about a talent pipeline all the time, but really we look at the leadership pipeline and how do you guys grow your leaders there? That's a, that's a good question. And, you know, I think early on when we were a much smaller company, that was harder to do um, because there just weren't as many positions and, and we weren't growing as quickly. And, you know, when I started here, we had probably 30 people in our store support center and, you know, we're up to over 150 now. So there's a lot of different places you can go. You know, merchandising was just buyers and assistant buyers when I started. We now have a planning department and we have visual department and outside of my pyramid, we have marketing and, and finance. So, you know, and, and I think what we've done a really nice job of as we've grown is we have a lot of people here that started with the company and they've been here since day one. And then we brought on people 
I mean, we all came from the outside. We all started somewhere else, but we brought on a lot of people from different areas, different companies that really bring a unique point of view and a different point of view. And so that's really helped us grow as well and helped us, um, you know, helped us become who we are. So there's just a lot more places to go. You know, we have a lot of internal training that we do. We do a tremendous amount of training with our store associates um, and a lot of training inside the office. That's great. I know you, you said you've been here 11 years, but when you started and maybe this is still the case now, you were probably one of the only females in a, a higher role. Um, and now, you know, as a CMO, I'd love for you to share your experience as a female executive in what we think of as a male dominated industry being golf, you know, how did you rise to the top, um, in that environment? Well, you know, it's funny, it's funny that you asked that because 26 of my 37 years was spent in department stores, which was primarily women. And when I started here, I was the only woman on the leadership team. Um, and then the overall mix of male, female was not what I was used to. Obviously there were a lot more men than women, but a lot has changed over the last decade, you know, not only within our company, but within sports in general. And we have a lot more women in senior leadership positions. I'm not the only female on the senior leadership team. And the male-female ratio in our store support center is getting very close to 50-50. So it's really, really changed. And, you know, when I started, even though I was the only female on the leadership team, it really didn't bother me. I wasn't treated any differently. Um, you know, I brought a different background and a different point of view to the table. So for me, it was really a benefit. You know, the overall golf industry outside of our company, you know, referring to the manufacturers, that's much more male dominated. So that took some getting used to. But you have to remind yourself, you know, you were hired for a reason. You 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 have a skill set and experience. That's why you're there. So work hard, develop relationships, and you'll get ahead and success will follow. So, you know, here at the PGA Tour Superstore, we're really doing a lot to support our women's associate. Associates new this year, we have a women's associate resource group. Um, and we do have a lot of people that are new to golf or new to the new to the industry. And we want them to understand the game. Um, it makes coming to work every day a lot more fun. We've hosted clinics, we've introduced them to the fundamentals of the game. We take them out on the course. Um, so it's really been fun to see them get excited about it. You know, and if you look at women in sports in general, it's really been a banner year. I mean, a couple examples are the U.S. women's national soccer team just reached a settlement for equal pay, um, which was a huge, huge win. You're seeing women, yeah, you're seeing women coaches and in male sports and the purses um, in golf specifically in the LPGA, they've gone up to $90 million from 67 million in 2019. And I recently, um, you know, I spent time at the KPMG, which is one of the women's um, majors at Congressional, um, which was recently completely renovated. So the women are playing, when they're playing at Muirfield coming up, they're playing at these courses that typically, you know, the PGA Tour has played at. So it's, it's really great to see. There's a long way to go, but um, I, I think a lot has changed. And I think the industry in general is really excited about this category. Um, you know, the women, women now account for 25% of golfers and almost 40% of new golfers are women. Um, our women's business is tremendous. It's, we've always had a very developed women's business, especially on the apparel side and the footwear side. We have stores that actually, in some of our resort markets that do more women's business than men's businesses, which is really unheard of when you think that the industry's 
25, 75. Mm-hmm. Our apparel business has doubled since 2019 and our women's equipment business is up over 120%. We're going to sell over 11,000 women's package sets mm-hmm. this year, which is, which is a pretty staggering number. So, um, you know, golf is, is really gaining traction with this segment of customer for many, many reasons. Um, during COVID, it was a great way to get outside, spend time with friends, spend time with families. It's a great way to be social and get exercise. Um, but it's not just about that. You have a lot of women who are competitive. Um, but, you know, nine holes, it's, it's nine holes of golf is a two and a half mile walk. So yeah. it's, you know, you're kind of accomplishing a couple of things at once. And I think one of the most important aspects of it, if you're, if you're a career woman, um, it's, it's really good on the professional front. It's great for networking and building relationships with peers and external business partners. And I can personally attest to that. Um, and nearly 60% of women golfers feel that golf's contributed to their professional success. So, um, it's, it's, it's good on so many fronts. Yeah. So how much do you attribute the growth of female customers to COVID and wanting to spend more time outside versus just, you know, mixing in what you said about all of the, all of the successes that female athletes have had lately? Do you think that that's part of it? Like where, what do you attribute to what? Yeah, I think it's both. And I think, you know, COVID in general, um, was very, be- obviously it's not beneficial, but it, it's been very beneficial for, for the game of golf and, you know, rounds of golf in 2020. And you have to remember courses were closed for a couple of months. Rounds of golf typically prior to COVID are somewhat flat every year. They were up over 13% and then another 7% in 2021. So to think that, you know, rounds of golf that have been flat for the last decade are suddenly up 20%. Um, is tremendous. So I think there's more awareness around the sport. I think, you know, there's been more flexibility about working from home. So I personally see it. You see families on the golf course, you see women playing with their husbands, you see groups of women's playing. So I think it has brought more attention to the sport. So in a sport that used to be very intimidating and the impression was, you know, unless you're an athletic man, this is, this isn't the sport for you that has changed. And, you know, and I, and we feel yeah, and it's, and it's a lot of fun and we feel responsible in growing golf in general, but also make it welcoming for this category of players. You don't want people to, to come to the course or to come into our stores and be intimidated. You want to welcome them with open arms and, you know, it's, it's for beginners. It's, it's for everybody. So I think COVID had a lot, a lot to do just to, to bring interest to the sport. And, um, and it's fortunately, you know, two and a half years into this, we're still seeing that. Yeah. I love what you said about, uh, the golf game being a great opportunity for professional women to network. I'm assuming that you have golfed in your life and that has happened. So any advice for women who, you know, want those networking opportunities and have no idea how to get on the golf course? Yeah. I, you know, I, I've been asked this question before and I, you know, and I see it even here with the people, some of the people that I work with, and I'm like, just get out there, go to a, go to a public driving range, give it a try. And, and don't worry that you're not good. It's, it's going to come in and, and, and grab a couple other women that are just starting out or grab somebody like me, you know, I'm not, I'm not great, but I like it and I'm patient and I love, you know, I love playing golf with people that are just starting out and being encouraging, um, you know, and, and, I would say, you know, learn the sport, understand the rules. It's a big, it's a big part of what golf is. 
but don't let that intimidate you. It's, it's the end of the day, it's about exercise. It's about, you know, the social aspect of it. And it's about, it's about having fun and it is, and it's great networking, great networking, but you know, people feel like there's all these barriers to golf. You have to belong to a club. You don't, you know, we have hitting bays in our store. You can come into our stores and hit balls. Um, so there's, there's a lot of avenues to get started and, and, and in the sport. Yeah. I feel like that advice also goes for just networking in general, um, as, especially as a woman, you know? So I'm curious, what are some of the things that you think the next generation of female retailers, female retail leaders should be focused on if they want to advance their career networking, possibly being one of them? Yeah, I think networking is important. Um, be an expert at what you do have not only that, um, I mean, you, you have to be a specialist and a generalist, um, have a broad understanding of the industry that you're in, um, surround yourself with a strong team. I learned that very, I learned that, you know, early on in my career, you're only as good as the people that work for you. Build and nurture relationships. Um, this is a people business. It's critically important. Listen and be present. You know, there's so many distractions today where we're all going a million miles an hour. Um, social media, you know, you go to meetings now, people have their iPad, they're looking at their phone. But, you know, it's really important to take the time, be present. Otherwise, you know, don't bother coming. Um, embrace change. We're going, you know, we're, change is happening faster than it has, ever has. So be open to that. You know, it's like you did it one way for a lot of years. You're going to be doing it in a different way tomorrow. Um, step, this is a big one for me. Step out of your comfort zone and take on new challenges. It's easy to coast once you're comfortable, but you're not going to grow unless you try new things. Um, I would say speak up and be heard. Um, know that you have a lot to offer and speak with confidence and authority. Yeah, that's all such great advice. And I'm wondering if there was any in particular that you learned as a result of something that went wrong or that went right, you know, and, and how you've seen your management style and your leadership style change over the years, perhaps because of some of the advice that you just gave. Yeah, I mean, the, the one that, you know, I learned from some another woman that I worked with, work with was really you're only as good as your team. So you got to have the right people and right people in place. Um, you know, and I think for me, um, you know, my goal has always been to build a team that works hard together, that challenges each other, but they have fun while they're doing it. And I, and I think I've accomplished that. And, um, you know, and I'm proud of that. And I, and I want them to feel that way. You know, I can be tough at times. I have high expectations. Um, but with that said, I care about a lot of the people on my team and I want them to work for me and I want them to enjoy coming to work every day. Yes, it's a job, but you don't want it to feel like it's a job. You want to be getting up, coming here and just knowing that, um, you know, you're going to accomplish something important that day. Yeah. It's amazing how much more productive and how, how easy it is when you do have a good team beside you. I mean, that affects so much of your job. So I agree with you. Um, okay, so in the last few minutes that we have left, Jill, I'm curious what you are looking forward to both professionally and personally uh, for the last half of the year and, and even beyond into 2023. Well, Marie, that's the timing of your question is perfect because we just finished the first half of our fiscal year. Um, you know, we're a February through January, like most retailers. And from 19 to 21, we grew our business over 90%. So for us, it's really rewarding to see growth on top of that for the first half of the year. We're continuing 
see growth on top of that 90%, um, especially with all the economic headwinds that are out there. Yeah. Um, I look forward to watching the company's continued growth along with the growth of the overall golf industry. When I started 11 years ago, as I mentioned, we only had 11 stores in an industry that was really flat. So for us to grow, it was really just about getting market share and we're doing that, but the industry is growing at the same time. Um, you know, we'll have close to 60 stores by the end of this year and, and we have plans to grow it even at an even quicker pace the next couple of years. Um, and not only are we growing, the whole industry is going, growing and the golf industry has really never been healthier. Um, on a personal note, you know, I'm getting closer to being an official empty nester. So I do have more time on the weekends. So, you know, I look forward to traveling and spending more time with friends and family and spending more time on the golf course because it's what I do for a living. I don't go for a living, but it, it's, the, you know, it's related to what I do for a living and I love right. it. And, it's bread um, and butter. Yep, it is. And it's, and I learn a lot while I'm out there, not just about, you know, I, I want to get better and I, and I love it. And I, I play with my husband and a lot of friends, but I learn a lot about what I do for a living when I'm out there. Um, so it's really beneficial for me too. So selfishly, um, you know, it's a good activity. Yeah. What better way to learn? I love that. Learn more about yourself and your job and the team around you. I love it. All right. Well, Jill, we are out of time, but I really enjoyed our conversation and I wish I, I would love to see the, the growth that you guys continue to have. And I'm sure you'll continue to do great things. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Marie. Thanks for listening. For more information on this podcast, please go to womeninretail.com slash podcasts for show notes. Women in Retail Talks is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe on our podcast channel page as well. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a few moments to rate and review our show. Lastly, if you're a female retail leader interested in joining our community at Women in Retail Leadership Circle, visit womeninretail.com apply. Thanks, and until next time, this has been Women in Retail Talks.